Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. It's great to see you here this morning. I am so glad to be here, and I hope that you're glad to be here as well. How many of you are glad to be here this morning? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. It's really good to see you. I know we have another rainy day ahead of us today. That makes two in a row for us, two Sundays in a row, but, but today is a great day. I believe that. I know it is, because God made this day. Amen. And, uh, you know, as I was just thinking about that this morning, I was thinking about just what a great day it is. I was thinking about the reasons it's a great day. And one of the reasons I believe it's a great day is because we have just experienced a great uh, time of worship, worshiping together as a faith family. How many of you enjoyed that, that time of worship this morning? I, amen? What a, what a powerful time of worship it is. And I, I love coming together with our faith family and just worshiping the Lord together in song and prayer uh, just in all the different ways that we worship together. I just love that. I, I do want to mention here before we get started this morning that this Friday, this Friday night at 6.30, we're going we're gonna to just open up the doors to the church and have a, a Friday night worship time. And so if you want to come uh, Friday night, it lasts about one hour. It won't be long at all. But Friday about 6.30, if you want to come and just worship with us, we, we want to come together uh, as a faith family and just spend some time worshiping the Lord, and we just want to do that on a Friday night. I think it'll be a, a beautiful time together as a faith family, and uh, I hope that maybe you can make that. Um, this morning, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and the series, I, I love the title of this new series. It's called Faith Has a Face. Faith Has a Face, and what we're hoping to do in this series is really, uh, as we share the stories that we find in God's Word, we want to personalize these stories. You know, so often we look in Scripture and we, we, we see these many different uh, stories. We, we read the stories of Scripture, and it just sometimes seems as though these stories are just stories that are uh, way back in our past. They don't really have a lot to do with us, but those are stories about real people, about real lives, about ordinary people who God did extraordinary things with. And so, in an effort to personalize the stories that we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks, uh, we, we want to put a face with the story. And so that's what we're going to be doing. To do that, we're going to go uh, to Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as our faith chapter of Scripture. We're going to be looking at that, uh, that chapter all through this series, and we're going to be picking an individual out of that, uh, that chapter and looking into their life and sort of putting a face with the story, if you will. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be learning how to live lives of resolve, to live lives of re resolve. In other words, living lives of steadfastness, of being able to stand firm as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. And so that is our hope and our prayer as we walk through this series. And just a moment, I want to pray for us. Before we do that, I do want to say this too. Uh, I want to also welcome all of our guests that are here today, and if you're a newcomer here in the church, if you're new to Cross Point Church, if you're new to this faith family, and you think that maybe you want to put some roots down here in this place, we are going to have a newcomer's lunch uh, next Sunday following the second service. And so uh, if you're uh, new to this place and you want to come out and meet some of the pastors, some of the staff, and and learn more about our church and, and eat a free lunch is free. Uh, we want to invite you to come. We do know those of you who have been here for a while, so if we see you showing up for a free lunch, we'll have to have a word with you, right? So uh, don't pull, don't try to pull anything funny on us there, but 
we, we do want you to go online, if you will, to register if you're going to be coming and joining us. It's crosspointchurch.cc slash new. And so uh, we want to just welcome you to that. But we're about to kick off this series called Faith Has a Place, uh, Living a Life of Resolve. And so let's pray and let's ask God to really do something phenomenal in our life. I, I believe that, that God is going to uh, really encourage some hearts and transform some lives over the next five weeks as we walk through his word. So let's pray together, and we're going to dive into the truth together this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. God, it's just been so amazing just to come together with our faith family this morning for this first service and just lift up our voices in song and adoration and praise. And God, we, we do this because you are so worthy of our worship. God, we know that. And so, Father, we gather here today to just sing our praises to you. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty. As Spence was mentioning earlier, Lord, you are sovereign. You are in control of this, of this universe. And, Lord, for that, we're so thankful because, God, we just see so much going on in our world today. And, and Lord, there's enough to, to just drive us nuts. But, God, we know that, that Lord, you're, uh, you're here, that you're always close. God, we can always turn to you. We can always depend on you. And Father, we have faith in you, and we thank you. God, I thank you for this time together where we can gather together and just open up your word, and your word can teach us in such remarkable ways that your word has this ability to, to transform hearts. Your word has this ability to lift up our spirits. And God, we just pray that today as we look into your word, as we Look at the stories of the Bible, God, that you would move in our hearts and you would stir our souls. And God, we would just be impacted by your love and your grace in our life. And so, Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. To start the series off, I want to ask a question. And maybe this is a question that you've thought about before. Maybe it's, it's not. Maybe it's something that you've never really given much thought to at all. But the question is this, what does real faith look like? You know, maybe if I had asked you, what is faith, you could define faith, but I'm asking you, what does it look like? What is the image that comes to mind when you think about faith? Who are the people in Scripture that you know of, the stories that are told there of people of real faith? What, what do you begin to visualize as you start thinking about faith? Who are, the, who are the heroes of your faith in this world today? Who are the people that are walking beside you who are real godly people and people of faith? And, and so as you think about faith, what does it look like? What is it that faith truly looks like? You know, throughout history, God has, has always been at work in people's lives. It's interesting because God starts out internally. God begins to move in a, in a person's life. He begins to woo us, if you will, with this Holy Spirit. He begins to draw men and women unto himself, and he begins to do something within. He begins to transform hearts and lives and, and souls, and, and, and people are drawn to God. And in that, that amazing uh, time of their life, we begin to see that that people's lives are transformed, people's lives are changed. We, we know that God moves in incredible ways. He, he has in many of our lives and, and in many of our friends' lives. But, and as a result of that, our, our hearts are transformed and our lives are never the same. 
Our lives just simply are never the same. When, when, when God engages our lives, our lives, they can't be the same. They never are the same. We don't act the same. We don't live the same. And so we begin to live our life as people of faith. We know that we have been saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. That is what the Bible says is the only way to be saved, uh, through a, an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as we go through that process, we, we begin to realize that our life is never going to be the same because of the work that, that Christ has done in our life. And so real faith is a result of people believing something so strongly that it begins to shape and mold who they are. It begins to change their life. You know, one of the things I love most about God's Word are the countless stories that we read in Scripture. I mean, you can read from cover to cover, and it's just one story after another. And, and, and you know, it, it is, if, you, if you're one of those that are just reading through Scripture fast and, you know, just want to cover, you know, go from cover to cover as quickly as you can. Some people read through the Scripture in a year or whatever. They'll have these reading plans. A lot of times you, you, you sort of take for granted what it is that you're reading, but you're literally reading stories of real people. And most of those people are very ordinary people like you and I. I mean, they're just, they're just people just like you and, and I. And, and as we read these stories, we begin to realize that in these countless stories, there are those who exhibit an amazing faith, an amazing faith. Over and over in Scripture, we see where people who respond to God in just total trust of who he is. We, we've talked about already this morning the sovereignty of God and just the, the idea that God is sovereign and that he is working in our life and he is transforming our life is something that, that stirs our heart and it stirs our soul. And, and, and we look at the scripture and we see these individuals who are living these amazing lives of faith and, and we begin to realize that they do this because they trust God so deeply. They just have such a belief that God is who he is, who he says he is. They believe in God so deeply that they just trust him to even oftentimes go places that they don't even know anything about. And so we, we see these stories. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is a place that we learn a lot about faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is often referred to as the faith chapter in Scripture because uh, there's no doubt you can't read that chapter and, and miss the, uh, the, the point that, that, that uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is making a statement about faith. And so uh, we see here in this passage as it starts off in Hebrews chapter 1 that it gives us an understanding of really what faith looks like. And I love this. It says this. It says faith is the confidence, excuse me, the confidence in what we hope for, and the assurance of things we cannot see. Okay, and so there's this sort of definition, if you will, of faith, and we've talked about that here before, uh, but, but I, I love this, and I, this morning, as we prepare to, to, to dive into this message, I want us to, to break this down. I want us to really have a clear understanding of what the Scripture is saying about what faith is and how, what faith looks like before we really begin to move on. So let's break this down, if you will. Here's what we see first. We see that, it, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for. What is it that you hope for? What is it that we hope for concerning spiritual matters? Well, one of the things we hope for is that Jesus is Lord, amen? 
We hope for that, but here's what faith does. Faith has the confidence that he is Lord, amen? So we hope for the reality that Jesus is Lord, but our faith says, no, we don't just hope for, we know that he is Lord. We hope for uh, Jesus to, to do incredible things in our life. We hope that Jesus loves us, but our faith says, no, he does love us because we have this confidence in the things that we hope for. We hope that we will spend an eternity in the presence of God. But we don't have to just merely hope for those things because there's a confidence, there's a certainty that through our relationship with Christ Jesus that we will find ourselves standing in the presence of God when we pass from this earth. And so the things that we hope for because of our faith, we have confidence in those things. And so we don't just merely hope for these things, we know them to be certain. But I also love what it says here. It says also that it is the assurance of what we do not see. It is the assurance of what we do not see. You know, one of the things that we know for certain is that we don't see God walking around here, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we have an assurance that God is real. Amen? You know, I've often heard this argument from people who don't believe in Christ, who don't believe in God, from from different atheists and critics of, of Christianity, and they'll say, well, show me God. Where is God? You know, and they'll, that's sort of their argument. And, and, and so for us as followers of Christ Jesus, as those who do believe in God, we, we, we would admit that we don't just readily see him all around us, even though I believe we can see him at work, amen? But we don't see him, but we have this assurance that he exists. Why? Because of faith. And so faith is the assurance of those things we cannot see. And so here's this incredible definition of faith. Here's this incredible definition that just sort of breaks down faith for us. And one of the greatest examples in all of Scripture, I believe, as we look at people and then we try to put a face with faith as we try to do that, as we try to understand and personalize the stories that we see in Scripture, one of the greatest examples that we see, I believe, is in the man named Abraham. In the man named Abraham. Look at verse uh, 8 through 10 with me of Hebrews chapter 11, if you will. We see a passage here that if you're just reading through Hebrews chapter 11, maybe you just read this and just continue right on and read all of them, and you know, maybe you're encouraged, maybe you're not, but, but I want us to slow down for just a moment, just look at one man's life for just a moment, try to understand what it is about his faith that sets him apart from others, and I believe that there's a lot that we can learn from as we do that, and so here we see in Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 8 through verse 10, it says this. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, look at this, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And then it says in verse 10, and I love this, it says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose build designer and builder is God. 
I love that. You know what, you know what this is, is, is really saying, what I love about this? It says, it doesn't say that Abraham was looking for such a place. It doesn't say he was looking for such a place. What it says is that God came to him and says, I want you to go out to a place that I'm going to give you. And it says here in the scriptures as we read this that he went out not knowing where he was going, but what he was looking for as he left his city, as he left his hometown, going out, being obedient to God, as he was leaving, he was leaving, and as he thought about where it was that God may be taking him, he began to looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Here is a man, as we're going to see as we continue through this passage that, and, and this message, that, that, was, that was willing to follow God wherever God would take him. God called him to go. And this man named Abraham, he, he picked up his family and he picked up his belongings and he left following God not having a clue where God was going to take him but he had faith that God was going to take him where God wanted him to go. And that's such a beautiful thing to me. You look at this. You, you look at this man named Abraham, and we just see the Scriptures tell us that he was a man of great faith. But who was Abraham, really? Who, who, who do we know him to be? You know, with the exception of, of Moses, there's no other Old Testament person that is spoken more of in the New Testament than Abraham. Abraham is a man who is often mentioned in the New Testament. We, we see in James, as James is writing about Abraham, he says that he believed God and that he was a friend of God. Abraham receiving this title, friend of God, only in this passage from James. But we, we begin to learn more about this man named Abraham, this man who believed in God. No doubt he believed in God because he followed God, right? He left his hometown to go where God was calling him to go, not knowing where he was going. So he trusted God. He, he believed in God. He trusted in God. And James goes on to tell us in chapter 2 that, that he was a friend of God. And so he, he, he not only trusted him, but he was a friend of God. He loved God. He had a passion for God. The Apostle Paul writes also about Abraham and begins to, to reveal to us that those who are followers of Christ Jesus, those who are believers in Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, are also called children of Abraham. And so we, we see his name mentioned, and what a badge of honor that is to wear. I mean, you look at a man who lived his life a life of faith, and, and I, I look at this man, and I just think, man, if I could just have the faith that Abraham had. I mean, what an amazing example of someone who lived their life in faith. Abraham was from a place called Ur, which was in southern Mesopotamia, and, and it's, that's uh, located, if you're, if you're not up on your, your, uh, your global geography, that's uh, near the Persian Gulf. It's actually modern-day Baghdad is where this is, and so that is, where, that is where Abraham was from. And what we begin to realize as we read through Scripture, going all the way back to Genesis, is that we begin to realize that Abraham's story, it really gets interesting when he is called to leave home. I want to read this passage to you, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, it says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house 
to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I, I love this. In verse 1, it says, go from your country. In other words, he's calling him to leave his home, to leave that which is comfortable, to go to a place. He doesn't even know where he's going. You know, I often wonder about that. You know, God's calling someone to just pack up and move away. I often wonder, you know, what thoughts might go through your head. Like, I wonder if it'll be better than where I'm at. If it's worse, I'm not so sure I want to go, you know. But, but I, w I wonder what kind of thoughts might go through someone's head when God just says, pick up what you've got and leave your hometown. This area in, in Abraham's day was a very... A, a very uh, nice area. It was bet located between several different rivers, the Euphrates River that emptied into the Gulf, and it was a it was a beautiful place, and it it was a it was a place where Abraham was from, and no doubt where he felt comfortable. But yet in Genesis it says that God told him to go from your country. It tells him also to go from his kindred. In other words, it says to leave your family. And another great sacrifice as we think about just packing up and going blindly out on our own, somewhere we know nothing about, and just seeing the faith that this man had to follow God. He continues to say this. He says, not only leave your country and leave your people, but leave your father's house. In other words, leave behind everything that, that, that might be yours one day through inheritance or whatever. I want you to leave it all. I want you to pack up what you have, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And so we begin to see and we begin to realize that Abraham, he was obedient to God. He followed God and he went not knowing where he was going. So this is what faith looks like. God says, go. I want you to trust me. And faith says, okay. Okay, I'm willing to follow you, Lord, wherever you're taking me, wherever you're wanting us to go. Now, I want to I invite you to turn with me now to James chapter 1. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through a couple of passages in James, and I want to I go back there because I want to show you something I think is really interesting to me. As, I, as I've been studying Hebrews chapter 11 and also been studying James, uh, the book of James, this epistle that he wrote, uh, God's really been showing me some different things in Scripture and putting some passages together for me to, to understand these together. And I, and I think it's really interesting what we see in James. So, so let's just pause for just a minute where we're at, talking about Abraham and talking about Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to move over, if you will, move over to, to James chapter 1. And I want to read for you this morning verses 22, 23, and 24. We've just seen Abraham's life where faith, uh, faith led him to take action, and he did. He was obedient to God, and we heard, uh, it says here that when he heard the word of God, he acted. But how can we, as followers of Christ, how can we, how can we have a faith? How can we live a life, a resolve like Abraham did? And so I want to show you this in just a moment. In verse 19, James says this. He says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, as I think about hearing from God, as I think about the, the Word of God, which is, is, is our primary way of hearing from God these days, just reading through the Scriptures. You know, oftentimes we'll read through the Scriptures, and our heads are so 
noisy with our own thoughts. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a place where you're, you're reading through Scripture and, and there's just so many thoughts swirling around in your head that you can hardly understand what it is that you're reading? And so James would say to us in verse 19, he would say, he would say let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And we often use this verse talking about the conversations that we have with one another, but I think it would also apply to us just uh, to ourselves, saying to ourselves, you know, be quiet and listen for the voice of God in your life. And so here he says this, he says, let every person be quick to hear. And then in verse 21, he says, put away all sin and receive with meekness the implanted word, talking about the word of God. And so he's saying, listen, he says, prepare yourself to hear from God as you, as you prepare to hear from God as you read through the scriptures. And so he continues on, and in verse 22, this is what he says. And I want us to look at this, and we're going to see how this applies to Abraham's life here in just a second. So he says in verse 22, he says this. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. He says in verse 23, he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and he once forgets what he was like. This is a sobering passage from James chapter 1 to me. James real quickly comes out and he says, be a doer of the word. And there's a lot of life application that we could understand there. I, I believe that what James is talking about, he's talking about as we read through the word of God, we see that there are certain commands. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we see these commands. We, we understand that Jesus is laying out for us the way we should live our life, this life in pursuit of holiness and this pursuit of righteousness. And as we live out our life, Following Jesus, there are certain things that we need to understand about how to live a life of resolve. And so uh, what James says here is he says, as you read the word, be ready to receive the word. And as you hear the word of God, as you hear God speaking into your heart, stirring your heart, stirring your soul, as you hear from God, don't just merely be those who listen to God, but respond in action. Be a doer of of the word. And so James lays this out for us here, and we begin to see uh, just how applicable of this be doers of the word. Can you imagine for just a moment if Abraham, having heard from the Lord, had it not been a doer of the word that he received from the Lord? How might things be different for Abraham? How might things have been different for us? You see, Abraham heard from the Lord. He heard from the Lord, and the Lord said, I want you to go, I want you to go, and I want you to just follow me. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going to be taken. You don't know what you're going to encounter. I just want you to go. And what we see is this incredible man of faith who trusted God, who believed in God, and who followed God. Why? Because he was a doer of the word which was given to him, and that word that was given to him was go. And so here we read where James is mentioning some of these same sorts of things, talking about being doers of the word. 
You know, in, in my life over the last about 13 years in, in planting a church, I've had the opportunity to, plant, uh, to, to speak to a lot of church planters all over the country, all over the world, in fact. And so uh, oftentimes I hear church planters talk about how amazing God is, is and, and, and the amazing things that God is doing in their church plant. And, and I hear testimony after testimony after testimony of these, these church planters that went out. They took a step of faith. They went out. And as they went out, they were just trying to be obedient to God. But as they go out, they see God doing such incredible things in their life. And I've had more than one church planter say to me, in fact, many church planters have said to me, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't responded to the calling that God placed on my life to go and plant a church, much less how everything else would have been had we not gone. And that's a beautiful thing to me, to see people who respond to what they know God has placed on their heart, to go to places all over this country and even internationally to plant great works for the gospel, to plant great works for the kingdom of God and to live their life by faith, to live their life as doers of the word in which they received. And so here we see that Abraham was a man of faith. Here we see where James is revealing to us that we are being tested by the word of God and, 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 and that, that we can either be doers of the word or we can remain disobedient. A powerful text for us, a powerful uh, thing for us to consider as we live our life. You know, most all of us in this room as we live out our life want to be people of resolve. I can't imagine that there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to live their life with contentment, that doesn't want to live their life with joy, that doesn't want to live their life in steadfastness, standing firm on the promises of God, standing firm and knowing that their confidence is in someone greater than themselves. I can't imagine that most of us in this room would not want to live our life in a spirit of resolve. And we see that in Abraham. This is what James is revealing to us. You know, I, I think it's interesting that all throughout James's epistle, this letter that he was, had written, he offers to us these tests, if you will, for living a life of faith. You know, James starts off, he, he, the first test that he mentions is the test of trials. Two weeks ago, we looked at this. We, we talked about uh, the, the, the test of trials that we encounter and, and basically, this is how he says we are to test our faith in the midst of trials. He says, he says, rejoice in those trials. Now, most of us don't think like that, do we? We think of those bad circumstances, those trials that we have to endure, those hardships, those moments of suffering as not being a place that we want to be. And, and, and James doesn't say that he, you, know, you ought to celebrate in this place that you were at. But what he is saying to us is he's saying in, in the midst of that, celebrate, be joyful, even in the midst of hardship. Why? Because you trust God. Why? Because God is sovereign. Why? Because God is going to carry you through these trials. And so the first test that he presents to us, we looked at two weeks ago, was the test of trials. Last week, we looked at the test of what? Of temptation. Remember? He says, when you're tempted, don't believe that you're being tempted by God because God doesn't tempt us. But he says, this is a test to us that is given to us that in our temptation, 
Do we choose to have faith in God and to live our life in a life with a life of resolve where we stay pure and holy and we pursue the righteousness of Christ or do we give in to our temptations? And so he mentioned, or we looked at last week, this, this test of trials. Today, he says, we are tested with the word of God. Do we believe in the word of God? Do we believe in the word that is given to us through the word of God as we read through the word and God begins to speak into the life of believers? Do we trust God or do we doubt? Do we fail? You know, as authentic followers of Christ, we are called to subscribe to the word of God. We, we can't be followers of Christ Jesus and not desire the word of God in our life and not spend time in the word of God. This is how we come to know who God is. This is how we come to know who we are. And this is how we come to understand our dependency on the Lord in such remarkable ways. We, we must be in the word of God. We must marinate in the word of God. We must subscribe to the word of God. You know, a lot of times when I'm just sort of chilling out and, and I'm in that place where I just want to do something mindless. You ever be there? You ever, you ever be in a place where, you know, you, you, you've worked hard all day, you know, your mind is just mush from all the thinking that you've had to do, and it doesn't take a lot of thinking for me to get to that state, okay? I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, you're just exhausted from the day, and you go home, and you want to do something that doesn't require any energy, you just want to, well, one of the things that I often find myself doing when I want to just chill out, when I just want to just not do anything, is I'll watch YouTube videos. I, 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 here's what I love. I love watching these do-it-yourself YouTube videos, you know? Uh, I, I've got some stone on the front of my house. I put that stone on, or at least most of that stone on myself. You know how I learned to put stone on a house? I watched it on a YouTube video. I, I stayed in the Holiday Inn Express, and then I watched it on YouTube, and then I went and I just put some stone on my house, you know? It was one of those sorts of moments, but but, but sometimes uh, I, I like to watch these YouTube videos, and, and, and this never fails to happen when you watch a YouTube video, because people got these channels, they, they're, they're, they're putting them up for a reason, right? You'll never, you never fail to hear this. They'll say, if you like this video, please hit the subscribe button down below. Have you ever heard that? I mean, if you watch one, you will hear that, because they all say it. They want you to subscribe, because they want you to keep coming back. They want you to keep coming back to their video channel and watching all their videos because they're hoping to make money off of these. They're hoping to be the next, you know, great director of the world, I guess, Hollywood producer or whatever. But anyway, they always tell you, he says, if you like this video, hit the subscribe button down below. You know, that should be the heart of every one of us as believers in Christ Jesus to where we like the Word of God, and we subscribe to the Word of God. We desire and want and hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Why? Because God wants to speak into our life. Did you realize that this morning before you came in here, that God wants to reveal himself to you? He wants to lay out his plans for your life. He wants you to know him more than you already know him. How are you going to do that? Through the reading of God's word as he speaks into our life, as he imparts his wisdom and his knowledge upon us, as he tells us more about who he is and he reveals to us more about who we are ourselves. No matter how 
much more. You want to know God. Here's the truth. God wants you to know even more than that. God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show us. He wants us to live our life in such faith. We can only do that if we trust him and we believe in him. We have the assurance of the things that we hope for, the certainty of things unseen. If we're not listening, if we're not listening to the Word of God, if we're not acting on the Word of God, we fail to understand our purpose in life. If we're not reading the Word of God, if we're not understanding, if we're not embracing it, if we're not processing it, if we're not digesting it, if we're not acting, if we're not being doers of the Word, we will fail every time. We will fail every time in understanding our purpose. James says this in verse 23 and 24. He says, for anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. We don't even know who we are. As believers in Christ Jesus, when we fail to spend time in God's word, we fail to hear from God through the reading of his word, when we fail at that, we don't even know who we are. We can't know who we are. We're like a person who looks in the mirror, and when we walk away, we forget what we just saw. So this is what the word of God is teaching us. To understand God's plan for our life, we must understand the word of God, and as James puts it, not be the one who looks in the mirror and doesn't know what he's looking at. I love what John MacArthur once said. Uh, John MacArthur, a theologian and author, a pastor out in California, he, he once write these, wrote these words. He says, how you listen and how you react and how you desire and how you obey the word reveals the nature of your faith. It is the power of, of our new life. It is the power of our new birth. Just as the word brings about the new birth, the word continually feeds the follower of Christ Jesus. I love that. Continually feeds the follower of Christ Jesus. So I can't help but read this, and this passage, uh, this quote. I can't help but just think about and process this message here this morning and, 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 and wonder, well, how well do I listen? How well do I react? How well do I desire? How well do I obey when God speaks into my life? I can't help but ask that when I read this passage from James. How well am I doing as a doer of the word? I look at this text, and I can't help but read this and wonder, do I see the Word of God as spiritual food for my soul? You know, I think to so many believers in Christ Jesus, the Word of God is just the Bible. Ask somebody, what is the Word of God? Oh, that's, that's the Bible. 
Do we see the Word of God as important as we see supper tonight? Most of us, right after lunch today, will start thinking about what we're going to have for dinner tonight, won't we? Everyone, including myself, Linnell loves to do this. She'll, she'll text me about 1.30, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I am so full from lunch, I don't know. But I do know this, I don't want to miss it. Right? I don't want to miss it. Do we see the Word of God? Do we see it as spiritual nourishment for our soul? Do we see it as spiritual food for our very lives? Do we crave the Word of God? Like we do physical food that we eat for our bodies. I can tell you this, it's more important than that. I can't help but read this and, and wonder, am I merely hearing the word and not being a doer of the word? I remember this one time when I was in Southeastern Seminary one of my favorite professors, his name was Dr. Harris, and Dr. Harris was, uh, he was very witty. And I learned very early on as a student that if you ask a question, especially if it was a dumb question, you were in for it, right? I mean, you were just asking for trouble because he was very witty. He was very awesome, I and mean, he was nice. He was a, he, I mean, he was very polite when he responded, but but, it, I mean, he would always just sort of poke you. And it was always fun to see students that didn't know him that were taking him for the first time after I had learned to just kind of sit there, soak it in, keep my mouth shut, don't ask the wrong question, right? If it was a good, intelligent comment or question, you know, he received that. But if it wasn't, look out, because he was just that witty. He was going to get you. And I remember this one day, this one student, after the lesson was over, he, he said, Dr. Harris, he said, I just want to say, this message was great. This lesson was just awesome. And it was obvious. He's trying to earn some points for, for later, right? I mean, he, come on, dude. Why are you saying, you know? And everybody in the room that had ever had Dr. Harris, they were all thinking, uh-oh. But I'll never forget, he said, he said, man, today's lesson was awesome. And Dr. Harris looked at him and says, good, what are you going to do about it? And the guy just kind of looked there like he was stunned. He said, what are you going to do about it? And he's kind of looking around the room. Now he's wondering, what, what's this man doing to me? You know, I mean, I was just complimenting you. I was just saying it was a great, he said, I just thought it was a great lesson. And he walks over and he gets in the student's face. He's like, good, what are you going to do about it? That's all he kept asking him. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, you know. And, and he says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Whatever lesson you received today, if it was as good as you say it was, then go out and do something with it. What a powerful, powerful thought. That's never left me. Let us not merely just receive what God has in store for us. Here's what I can promise you, is that God doesn't expect any of us, any of you, any of me, any of us to, to come into this place and to sit in a chair on Sunday morning and to worship and sing the songs where the screens are on and pray the prayers with the pastor and listen to a crazy pastor preach and, and listen to the last song and then just go home and repeat next Sunday. I can promise you that's not what God has in store for your life. 
And so are we going to be people of faith? Are we going to be doers of the word? One last question for you to carry home with you. The question is this. Is your life characterized more by faith or by doubt? Is your life characterized more by faith or by doubt? In other words, does the face of your faith look more like Abraham, who was a man who followed without knowing, who trusted Jesus in everything? Or does the face of your faith look more like Thomas, a disciple of Jesus, who did not believe without proof, without seeing? Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. My prayer for us this morning is that we would be doers of the word. That we would not merely hear from God, but we would respond to God. That we would worship God. That we would live for God that our faith in Christ Jesus is more than just a mission statement of our life. It's a belief that drives us and carries us and helps us to live a life of resolve.